0: You are Locked On Colts, your daily Indianapolis Colts podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the latest episode of Locked On Colts, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Today's all is your host, Evan Sattery, joined by Jim Ilo the Colts beat record for the Annapolis Star here to recap free agency for the Colts as well as w- a little bit look ahead to what could happen for the Colts and the NFL draft because based off how free agency went, Jim, it really does kind of show the moves the Colts can make in the draft. But how are you doing on this Thursday afternoon?
1: I'm doing well. I'm doing well. I- I'm excited to make the the transition. I've been very focused on free agency. I've been starting to, I think I'm behind a lot of people on my rookie prep, but I'm getting, you know, I've been into it for the last week or so and I'm starting to get caught up and, and, and kind of formulating some opinions about where the Colts should be headed. So,
0: Yeah, let's go ahead. And before we dive into the draft, because I know it's really set up for an intriguing one for the Colts because there's obviously huge needs still on the board at left tackle, edge rusher, adding another weapon on offense too. But are you surprised a little bit, Jim, how free agency went? It's pretty much been team running back. They re-signed T.Y. Hilton, Xavier Rhodes, Marlon Mack on one-year deals. They signed some depth pieces like Sam Tevy, Isaac Rochelle, Julian Davenport. Chris Reed, Sean Davis, really not many big names, so to say. Some of those guys I just mentioned might be cut by the time the end training camp rolls around, just how much competition and depth there is on this roster. Are you surprised a little bit, Jim, by how the Colts went about free agency? Uh,
1: yeah, a little. I mean, I guess I kind of thought, so I knew they'd be quiet, or at least they wouldn't go after some of the bigger name free agents that I think a lot of people were hoping they would target, just because that's not really Chris Ballard's MO. Um, I, I thought, though, like I didn't think they'd be targeting maybe A and B level uh free agents i thought they'd maybe be at the like i don't know c plus b minus level try to fill out their depth give themselves some some options you know sign a i don't know a son reddick would have been an interesting one at edge for a one-year deal that way you know you have a guy and you, you know you can start him but and that, that way the draft kind of plays out you sign a guy like uh, kelvin Beecham at left tackle okay now you've got a starter now but if you draft somebody now you have good depth i kind of thought that would be the range they were in they went a little bit lower tier I, no offense to the guys that they signed, but that's you know that's obviously the money that they they took. So I definitely thought they wouldn't spend a ton of money or make massive you know year commitments to free agents because that's just not who Chris Ballard is. He likes one to pay his own guys and keep his money for that, and two he likes to keep his flexibility going year to year. So even while they could have made some major moves and re-signed their guys, they wouldn't necessarily have had the same flexibility um, going forward as they tend to like. So that was I, again expected that. And then, as you mentioned, it's funny that you mentioned run it back. I really, I literally, I don't know, an hour ago, an hour and a half ago, just finished writing a running it back story. Just, that was like essentially the Colts are running it back. Is that a good idea or a bad idea? It's like two thousand words. It's a, it's an opus of, of a story, and I want fans to to kind of like form their own opinion. Is it a good idea to run it back because they were an eleven win team last year, um, and with and with most of the rosters, actually, if you look at it, you know, if you ex- expect a new left tackle. Um, and, and then you have Carson Wentz replacing Phillip Rivers the 23 of the other starting positions including special teams will be filled right now at least by by Colts that were on the roster last year that's a that's a large chunk uh to bring back so they are they are like you said team run it back and so I thought they maybe make a few more changes to address some of the holes but they decided not to I think they're they're putting a lot of pressure on the draft but for Chris Ballard that's maybe not a bad thing because he's he's been very good at it.
0: With how the market played out, Jim, for guys like T.Y. Hilton and Xavier Rhodes, Marlon Mack was a little bit of a surprise to me just because we know Jonathan Taylor is emerged in the second half of the season. But based off his rehab and just the a, a team player he's been, it sounds like in West 56th Street, their facility, it seems like it's a really awesome thing they did for Marlon Mack to bring him back on a one year, $2 million deal, fully guaranteed as well, to kind of restock his value a little bit heading into the 2022 free agency period as the handcuff to Jonathan Taylor next season. But on Hilton and Rhodes, I think it played out pretty well for the Colts. I mean, we saw Xavier Rhodes. He's only making $500,000 more than Kevin King is in Green Bay next year, which really shocks me. Six and a half million dollars. I think the cap figure is even lower than that as well, based on a lot of incentives and guaranteed money. And also for T.Y. Hilton, I mean, one year, $10 million, but it sounds like according to Aaron Wilson, it's really a one-year, $8 million deal with $2 million worth of incentives. Do you like those deals for the
1: Colts? I like – the Rhodes deal, I think, is fantastic. I don't know how you couldn't like the Rhodes deal. I, I'm actually kind of surprised, like you said, that he got less than he got. I think, this is just my opinion, and I, but I think it kind of bears itself out. I think zone corners and, and older corners um, tend to get less on the open market. So and that, Xavier Rhodes used to be, or Xavier Rhodes, excuse me, used to be... Um more of a man corner than he than he was last year. And I think those guys that can kind of lock in one on one. And Xavier Rhodes can still do that to a degree, but that's not really what his game is anymore. He faces the quarterback. He plays with his instincts and is you know facing the ball, which again, he played really well last year. I thought he played, I thought he was fantastic condition for the Colts on a really cheap price. Um I thought he'd get a little more on the open market, but as he mentioned, he's a little older. They had the whole COVID situation, salary cap went down, and the Colts just patiently waited uh, for his price to come down and, and for him to accept that deal. So I don't think he was necessarily like pleased about the money. I think he's pleased to be back in Indianapolis. He knows it's a place that, that, that he can succeed and thrive. He knows it's a place he's going to start. Um, and so he gets, you know, a decent amount of money to to come back and do that. The T Y Hilton deal is really interesting. Like I, I, I think, I, I thought the Ty's comments on the Pat McAfee show were, were fascinating that it looked like he was going to go somewhere else because the Colts were only offering, you know, a couple million less. than it seemed like they were offering now. And then it looked like team owner Jim mercy kind of, swept in at the last minute and upped the offer so they could keep T.Y. Hilton which is interesting I wonder what the dynamic was between Chris Ballard and Jamersi and T.Y. Hilton on what the value you know what his value was and how much they were willing to pay him but overall for the quality of player to answer your question it's not an overpay I mean he's still a very good player Uh, he's not the T.Y. that he once was obviously but can still get open I I, you know a lot of people were wondering is he slowing down last year every time I watched him on tape I mean maybe a half step slower but that was even hard to notice. He's still a really good route runner. Uh, he knows how to work his body in space. He knows how to get down and avoid big hits. Um, he's just a really smart player. He's a great mentor for guys like Pittman and, and, and Paris Campbell and even Zach Pascal. Um, so, yeah, the, the money made sense. And obviously, the, the Colts have it. It's a one year deal, it's no risk for them. Obviously, it's one year and then they can figure it out again if they want. Same with Xavier Rhodes. They, they, it's only a one year deal. So, it, it really doesn't come with any risk, as almost any one year deal does. So, no, I, I thought the Colts. Um, got pretty good bargains on both those guys. Now to me, I, I, and again, I think that, you know, I'm just looking as like a dynasty building into the future. I, I saw a guy like Juju Smith Schuster take a similar deal. I kind of like a 24 year old with the ability to slide all over the place and maybe built like he got a very similar deal to Pittsburgh. And again, it was a bit of a hometown discount. I think he took less money to stay there, but you know, he's seven years younger, I think, than T.Y. Hilton. I, and I'm a big Juju Smith-Schuster fan. Uh, so, again, price-wise, it's hard to know if they got, like, a bargain, but I don't think they overpaid either.
0: Colts fans, rockauto.com is the place you want to go if you want to save money on your next car purchase. Whether you be saving her $100 on a fuel pump assembly or even getting new things like carpet, motor oil, anything really you can think of with a car, rockauto.com has you, covered because they save me a lot of money. They save a lot of listeners a lot of money. And they're going to do the same thing for you as well. They're a family owned business serving auto customers online for the last 20 years, and they have such an easy catalog to navigate as well. I've done it. It's really simple and easy to use. You're able to go on and do a lot of things in a very short amount of time. And best of all, price at rockauto.com are always reliably low, and the same professionals do yourself first. So, why spend it twice as much for those same parts? You can even cheaper at rockauto.com. Go to rockauto.com right now see the parts for your car or truck. Write locked on in the Hatch Your Browse box so that the Colt sent you over there. Main selection, reliable low prices, all the parts the car will ever need. Go to rockauto.com right now and write locked on, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, in the how to your boss box. Send a locked cold stain over there that save you a lot of money on your next car purchase. Get all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes of the Locked On Today podcast. Host Peter Bukowski updates you on the latest news in every major sport with the help of our local experts. Follow the Locked On Today podcast in the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. It makes it sound like, to me, honestly, Jim, just based off the contract Hilton eventually got from the Colts, and like you mentioned his story told on the Pat McAfee show, that it seemed like he was about to go to the Baltimore Ravens for a three-year deal before the Colts stepped then up their offer a little bit from Jim Ursay. I don't know about you, Jim, but it makes me believe that maybe the Colts, this is kind of looking ahead to the draft a little bit now, but I think maybe the Colts thought maybe this wide receiver class is strong enough that they could have replaced T.Y. Hilton on a rookie contract, but what say you on that whole T.Y. situation? Because it does sound like from T.Y.'s point of view that The Colts were prepared to let him walk before uh, ownership got involved there.
1: I agree. And I also think that if that happened, I think Sammy Watkins would be a Colt right now. I mean, that's just, again, that's just a guess, but he was in the building or was going to be in the building at that point. I mean, I think he was in the building when the T.Y. Hilton situation happened. And I think if T.Y. had said, Hey, I'm going to Baltimore, I'm not sure Sammy Watkins leaves Indianapolis without a contract just because again, I think they had him in there. I don't think that was a, empty gesture I mean I don't think it was a threat to T.Y. Hilton say hey you better sign or else but I do think hey we have a backup option if you do go somewhere else so um, I do agree with you that I think that and they could still address this uh, the receiver position in the draft they probably need to just because um, you know you have T.Y. Hilton who's 32 uh, and and it's only on a one-year deal Pittman obviously great things in his future you love that Paris Campbell's the guy that you really want to count on but you know you can't right now because he's freak injuries for sure I don't know I still am hesitant to say that he's like injury prone just because they're not some of those recurring injury issues. They're actually just like kind of freak accidents. So, but st- even still, you know, you can't count on him until he proves that he can stay healthy for a season. So you definitely need to address that position, I think, with some, some more youth uh, in the draft. But I definitely like to your point, though, I, I, I think I think Sammy Watkins would have been a cold if 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 the T.Y. Hilton thing had gone into. the floor.
0: Looking at T.Y. one more time, just from this lens, because signing him to a one-year deal again, obviously he re-enters the market again in 2022. He has a better season with a quarterback with a stronger R and Carson Wentz, so who could test the deep a little bit more. But maybe I'm just too bullish on Michael Pittman Jr. and Paris Campbell if he stays healthy next year, Jim. But I kind of feel like if all goes well for both those guys next year, that T.Y. could be stepping back into a secondary role anyways in 2021.
1: Yeah. And let me—I just want to be clear, by the way. I—that I, was not inside info on on the Sammy Watkins situation. That was just my guess of how things were playing out. Um, but yeah, I agree with you. I think that there—I I don't think you have any reason not to be bullish about Michael Pittman. Um, he is—he looked when healthy like a potential number one wide receiver. Um, you still got to take some steps forward in that uh, and, and do some things. I, I like to see him—you know—be a, a more of a downfield vertical threat. I, I think he's got that as part of his game. He did it at USC. Some of the things he does with the ball in his hands are incredible. He's great after the catch. He's got very good hands. He can run some of the short and intermediate routes. There's a lot of reasons to love what Michael Pittman can do. I actually think that we've heard, I think it was Frank Reich, and I can't remember, he was on the radio somewhere. Or maybe it was a zoo, I mean a uh, podcast. I can't remember where I listened to him recently, but he definitely talked about like Michael Pittman being the, the new number one, or at least coming on to be the, the Colts' new number one wide receiver of, of the future, not saying that they're going to, you know, kick T.Y. Hilton out of the curve this year, but that it's Pittman, you know, it's, 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 it's what's what T.Y. Hilton's talked about. It's, it's kind of passing the baton, right? From Marvin Harrison to Reggie Wayne, Reggie Wayne to T.Y. Hilton, T.Y. Hilton out of Michael Pittman. I think that's, he's the, the rightful heir to that, to that throne. And then, yeah, with Paris Campbell, I think we all saw how explosive he was in that first game last year uh, against the Jaguars. And even, you know, they're starting to use him against Minnesota in week two. And you're like, man, this is the, this is what everybody thought they were getting with Paris Campbell. He's going to be healthy heading into training camp, assuming no other kind of accidents now. I, I they're going to, again, I think the Colts are going to be like, I think you have to say, give him one more shot. And then, and then, you know, if he gets hurt and misses all of this year, and then, you know, you really can't count on him going into year four. But I think, you know, the talent is obviously there. The desire is there. The love from the team is there. Frank Reich loves Paris Campbell. And then they still have Zach Pascal, who we all tend to overlook a little bit, but guy just, you know, super solid. Uh, I think he's going to be with this team for a few years. I know he's a restricted free agent, but it's kind of hard for me to imagine the Colts letting him walk away, given all that he means to them and what he does. So I could see that, you know, again, if, if Paris Campbell stays healthy, I could see that those those three being the, the kind of the top three going into the future. And then, you know, kind of like we talked about a little bit earlier, maybe adding, um, maybe adding somebody young in the draft this year, or maybe Desmond Patman kind of takes a step forward this year.
0: Last position here off free 18, Jim, For we dive into what the Colts need to do in this month's draft, it's edge rusher. Surprisingly enough, the Colts who haven't done much there. They add Isaac Rochelle. Danica Autry obviously goes to division rival Tennessee. I think, honestly, have you heard anything, Jim, about Justin Houston and any of these veteran edge guys on the market right now? It's mostly just guys 30 and above right now, topping the edge market right now. But it kind of feels like to me, Jim, I mean, unless they truly want to go young and get Kimoko Ture just a Houston-esque snap, so they feel like a guy like Quitty Pay of Michigan or Jalen Phillips of Miami is their guy at twenty-one, and they're locked in on one of those guys to replace Houston snaps. Do you, would you be surprised if the Colts don't sign a better edge rush before this draft?
1: Uh, maybe not before the draft, but maybe after. I I, I kind of get in the impression that they could wait and, and say, okay, how did we do in the draft, and what's still out there. Now, again, maybe maybe those guys get snapped up in the next couple of days, and, and that's not an option, but. Right now, the last I've, last I've heard on the Justin Houston situations, nothing's changed with the Colts. I think they're in communication, but there's no new action on that. Um, so that, that's – I mean, again, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they brought Houston back. They do need uh, more edge. They need more – like what I wrote in that story I was referring to earlier is right now they're, they're not giving offensive coordinators any more reason uh, not to double-team DeForest Buckner at this point, right? Like that's – you have guys like um, Ben Banigou, and, and Kamoko Ture and Taekwon Lewis, they all, you know, they're all they all can be good, but we need to see more from all of them. I think Taekwondo Lewis showed the most last year, but he's not really going to be that, you know, that quarterback hunter. He's going to be more of the I think they're hoping he's going to be more of that Denico Autry type where he can play inside and out. And if he gets seven, six, seven, eight sacks, that's a really good year for for a guy like that who who can also play well against the run. So um, they do need some more edge help. And again, if they draft somebody, maybe they say, We're gonna go young and we're gonna give all those snaps to those guys. They still have Al Khadim Mohammed who they brought back um Isaac Rochelle as you mentioned they have some depth there it's young depth it's unproven depth uh in a lot of ways but they have guys that they want to you know trot out there and see what they can do that said if they don't end up with a guy I think that they like in the first few rounds of the draft um yeah then maybe they do go out and say okay Justin Houston let's let's make what's you know let's get you in the building and get you some snaps because we we need some more edge edge help but um yeah heading into the draft it's I think it's I mean outside of left tackle it's the biggest need.
0: BetOnline Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football might be over, but NBA, college, basketball, and NHL are in full swing. Bet Online covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. Real time, data, odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. Bet Online is a curve all the news, scores, and odds, and it's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to the website or your mobile device right now, sign up today, and you'll receive your 50% off welcome most of your first deposit. Again, that's 50% off your first deposit with Bet Online. The promo code is LOCKED ON. Lockadon, bet online. Your online sportsbook experts. The NFL draft is weeks away. It's time to start following our Lockdown NFL Draft Duo. The Draft Dudes podcast watches every prospect, so you don't have to. And a Lockdown NFL Draft podcast, is your daily draft news and mock draft podcast. Follow On NFL Draft podcast in the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Does it feel like to you, Jim, that the Colts and Chris Bout are really gambling and putting a lot of chips into their own basket, so to say, on their own scouting of guys like Taequann Lewis, Ben Banigu, Kimoko Ture. I mean, we saw the flash from Ture in 2019 at the first part of the season when he looked like one of the best edge rushers in the NFL as far as just pressures go and the bendiness before he got his leg hurt. Taekwon Lewis really flashed last year as well. Ben Ban- Banigu, we haven't seen much yet of him, but not resetting Houston, not really addressing edge in a big way in free agency makes me think that maybe there's betting on those guys there.
1: Yeah, no, they are. And then and, and he does, he he bets on his one, his scouting department and two, his coaching department to, to develop that talent. He was very clear at the, at the beginning of the, the off season saying, well, you have to be patient with these guys. You have to be patient with Ture and Paris Campbell and Rocky sin. Like these young guys, they don't all just come in and click right away. So you, you have to give them time. You have to give them snaps. Um, but again, they, they do tend to bet on these guys. I, I'm not, uh, I think it's, this is a weird off season. So with COVID and with, again, not being able to scout. And I think this is going to be the least amount of information they have going into a draft generally um, than they've ever had before. Just because, you know, there's so much we didn't see in terms of college tape, in terms of the combine. Uh, there's pro days, but some of that information is is maybe not as reliable as it would have been if it was at the combine. So they're going to be, they're putting a lot of faith in the draft in a place where that's going to, it could be, it could be tough. So yeah, they want to depend on their own guys uh, to take a step forward. and. You look around. I mean, they have a lot of young stars that they can depend on. Guys who are established stars, Quentin Nelson, Ryan Kelly. Um, you know, on offense, we, you know Carson Wentz. That are, obviously is a different situation, but they're hoping he can, you know, become the guy that he was before. But they are banking quite a bit. I feel like you're writing my story for me, Evan. Um, that on on just they their their belief in their own players taking another step forward. They are running it back largely with a lot of the same guys, and that's going to depend on one: their stars playing like stars um, again. And two is a lot of these young guys taking a big step forward. And, and you mentioned, I think, two of the biggest are Ture and, and Lewis. But if you look, like Ture last two years has the same amount of sacks as Ben Banigou. They both have two and a half. Last from 2019 and 2020, two seasons, they're at five sacks combined. So, again, obviously health got in the way for Ture. Uh, Banigou couldn't get his way on the field last year. It was a healthy scratch a lot of the season. They have a long way to go in improving different things, but I have, they both have a long way to go you know, to getting on the field and being reliable edge rushers for the Colts.
0: Let's transition out of the draft, Jim, because you see the big holes still at left tackle and edge rusher. It sets up well for them. I don't know if you had a chance to really dive in much into the twenty twenty nine NFL draft class, but just based off the strengths of this class, it looks like to me that it is ideally just setting up pretty for the Colts at left tackle and at edge rusher, where this class you could get a bona fide starter at both positions in the first few rounds of the draft at twenty one and fifty four if they wanted to. Do you feel like at this point the Colts kind of calculating their plan where I, I honestly I would be very surprised that they don't go whether it be 21 and 54 or vice versa, pass rusher and left tackle those first two picks.
1: Yeah. I mean, obviously like they're all going to, you know, listen, we're going to talk to Chris Ballard here before the draft and we're going to say, is that what you're going to do? And he's going to say, I'm going to take the best player available because that's what every GM says. And for the most part they do. I mean, they, 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 tend to, but when you have very clear needs, suddenly the best player available happens to fit that need. At least that's the way I feel that I, when I watch a lot of drafts, that that's how it happens. But as you said, I think it sets up pretty well for the Colts in that, Both those positions are pretty deep. Um, I don't think there's necessarily like, you know, guaranteed lock stars at the positions that they're, especially not at 21. And again, I think a lot of Colts fans would say they, Hey, they're not going to be picking at 21. They're going to try to trade back. That might be true. I I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see what they do just because, you know, we were talking about it. They have these very clear needs. And if there's a guy that they want there at 21, I think they're just going to jump on it. But um, obviously Chris Ballard likes having more picks. They don't have their third round pick as a result of the Carson Wentz trade. They don't have any comp picks to make up for it and so they might try to trade back and so it might be an end of the first round and, and mid second round pick or maybe it's you know three second round picks knowing Chris Ballard he likes making second round picks so that could be what happens but um if that's the plan that works out well just to get back to your earlier point they they're, the 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 tackle class is pretty deep um i i'm looking at i'm looking at one just one analyst list and um you're seeing guys that I think people uh, – the Notre Dame star, Liam Eikenberg, is, a, is the sixth tackle who you can get in the second round. Dylan – I not I'm going to screw up, screw up his name, but Dylan Reduns from North, North Dakota State is a guy that people think you can get in the second or third round. These are guys who can probably step in and play. I mean, some of them are developmental, but there is some – there's talent there. They're that deep. And then at edge rusher, I think it's it's similarly deep. I mean, I, I again, I, you want to get somebody that can come in right away. The problem for me at edge rusher – and this is why I kind of thought they might – uh, excuse me, I thought they might go a little harder in the, in free agency at an edge rusher is that they have said the Colts we've learned from Matt Iberflus and from Chris Ballard. Hey, edge rush sometimes takes two, three years to develop. You can't just plug a guy in a lot of the time and expect 10 sacks. It takes a little time. So that's why I thought they might go a little harder in free agency that if they did draft somebody, they could give him time to develop. And again, we talked about this. They might still draft somebody and then sign Justin Houston and do exactly that. Uh, but there are some really quality players, guys that would fit the Chris Ballard mold, you know, so we're talking tall, lanky, bendy guys, um, you know, athletic athletic guys that you want on the um, A. That, that, that would fit the mold for the Colts, at the, either at the 21, end of the first round if they trade back, and in the middle of the second round, I think. Um, yeah, like you said, it sets up pretty well for them in this draft.
0: Jim, any other positions stand out to you as far as what the Colts could do early on in the draft, or even in the middle rounds where – they can address some needs either in the short term or the long term. I've been saying tight end could be a sneaky one <laughs> we go with here yeah. in the second, third, or fourth round, just because you have Jack Doyle over thirty, you have Miley Cox entering again another contract year after he signs this tender. I feel like the Colts need like an athletic Eric Ebron type of tight end again. They've really been missing that in the last two years of their offense. What say you though, Jim? I mean, what else stands out to you as far as what the Colts could do in the draft outside of left tackle and edge rusher?
1: It's funny you mentioned that you I mean you literally you took it out of my uh took the, took the first position out of my mouth. A tight end is something I would, I really wanted to see them do it last year. Frankly, I know they signed Trey Burton, but I was like, you know what? Still draft a guy in the fourth or fifth round and, and get a developmental. Cause another position that is notoriously, you know, takes long to develop is tight end. It takes two or three years for these guys to get on the field and to be uh, productive. So I thought, get that guy in the building now, let him learn under Jack Doyle, Moelle Cox and Trey Burton. And, and you have it. So they didn't do it last year. Um, they have some, you know, they have some practice squad guys that I know that they like that are kind of, you know, Farad Green is one and, and some other guys that they do like. But I would like to, I agree with you. I'd like to see them draft kind of a, that F tight end, that move tight end um, and, and get him in the building. I, I'm not a guy I expect to make a huge impact in year one, but by the time Jack Doyle and Mo Ali Cox move on, or at least Jack Doyle, uh, you have somebody that's ready to kind of be that main pass catching guy. So I wouldn't rule out, by the way, you know, again, the, until the Zach Ertz situation gets settled, um, I wouldn't rule him out as a, as a potential are the Colts as a potential landing spot. Um, we know the connections obviously, and we know that he wants out of Philadelphia. Um, so that, that will, that until that situation remain and uh, gets settled, it remains a possibility. Um, and then, yeah, you asked me about some other positions. Uh, one, the other one that jumps out to me is cornerback. Now there's a lot of negativity all around Rocky sin heading into year three. I understand that. Uh, I think he did improve last year. It wasn't major improvement, but he did get better. He cut out some penalties. Uh, he was a little bit better in coverage. Again not a star corner by any means, but did show minor improvements. The thing is um, you do need to draft a young corner that you like because you have what, well, you know, two things that are going to happen. One rock might not develop into the corner that you hope he is going into the fourth year of his uh, and the final year of his contract. And next year, Xavier Rhodes is free agent again. Excuse me. I do this all the time. Xavier Rhodes uh, is a free agent again. So you do need some help on the outside They have, or they should expect that Marvell tell will be coming back uh, after opting out last year. Again, Showed some promise as a, as a converted safety playing corner, but, you know, late round pick and I'm not sure you want to count on that. So I definitely think cornerback is a spot that they want to address outside cornerback, particularly. I know they drafted Isaiah Rogers last year. He, to me, has more of the feel of a slot corner. And then, you know, they used him for his, his special teams acumen. So uh, corner is another spot that I think is kind of a sneaky need for them.
0: We were speaking about projections early on in the show, Jim, with guys like Kamoko Ture and, and, and Juan Lewis. But I think another one, honestly, is the biggest position in football as a quarterback. I mean, the Colts are running it back. They're going to add a, key, a, a few key positions here in the draft. But you have to think, honestly, Like they're projecting Carson Wentz to get back to former under, under Frank Reich. And if that does happen for them, they could be a better-than-11-win team just based off that.
1: It's true. Um. I, so, again, I feel like you're just like in my brain now with the story I just wrote. But I, I – so I, when I was talking about trying to like the run it back team uh, that the Colts have decided to become I, Carson Wentz is, you know, the NFL is a, what have you done for me lately season? So you're looking at his 2020 numbers compared to what Philip Rivers did in 2020. And for Carson Wentz, again, I, I I'm with all the optimistic people who believe that Frank Wright can get the best out of Carson Wentz and you can see a big jump in his play. Um, I think that's possible. I really do. I think it's probably, I would actually call it probable. I think you're going to see a much better version of Carson Wentz. However, just for Carson Wentz to give, get to what Philip Rivers gave the Colts last year, here are the numbers. He was at—he's going to jump at least 10.6% in completion percentage. You go from 57.4 to 68. That's what Philip Rivers was. Now I don't think he's going to make that jump because I don't think he's going to throw as many short passes as Philip Rivers did, uh, or at least you know quick passes, I should say. Um, and I don't think he's going to go all the way to 68%, but he can incre- increase his completion percentage. Still, yards per attempt. Carson Wentz was at six. Philip Rivers at 7.7 huge jump he's going to have to take just to get to what Phillip Rivers uh, did last year. Turnovers. He, he was around uh, – one. he was at 1.58 per game, including fumbles. He had 15 interceptions and four four lost fumbles. He actually fumbled 10 times last year compared to Phillip Rivers, who only threw 11 interceptions in one pick. So one-and-a-half turnovers uh, per game to about .75 for Philip Rivers. So, again, huge jump if he's going to give him what Philip Rivers did. And the last part is sacks. Um, Carson Wentz took an enormous amount of sacks. I think it was 50. So it was ten point three percent of his drop. Actually, took sacks on Philip Rivers was one of the best at three point four percent. Again, not all his fault, not all Carson Wentz's fault. They're all Philip Rivers' credit. But it's just a long way to go for Rivers. Um, for Wentz. I'm sorry to get to where Wentz or Rivers was last year. And so that's you have to. I mean, if the Colts are expecting that, I know that they are. But when you're running it back, it is it is dangerous that you, they didn't add significantly around him uh to to make up for the you know if he doesn't make up that ground between him and Phillip Rivers. So they didn't they didn't change much. And in fact their their offensive line might take a step back a little bit this year. Even if they draft somebody in the first or second round who is their starter, that guy's probably not going to be as good as Anthony Costanzo right away. And if they move Braden Smith or Quentin Nelson to left tackle, well, they might not be as good as Costanzo was last year. And then you might be weakening another position. So in some cases running it back they might be a little bit worse along the offensive line and maybe they're a little bit worse at quarterback. So they do have to make up for it in other spots in terms of development, you know, so Pittman takes a big step forward or Jonathan Taylor in the running game will take off even more. So there's going to have to be spots where they make up for some of the deficiencies that they have.
0: Jim, always good stuff when I have you on the podcast there and our listeners enjoy it as well. Colton, if you're not already, go ahead and follow Jim over on the Indianapolis star. Go follow him on Twitter at Jim Iello as well. Him and Joel Erickson do a great podcast. The Colts cover two podcast as well. Looking forward to you and Joel whenever you guys hop back on the mics here and talk about the draft here coming up soon and the rest of the offseason. But, Jim, appreciate the time as always.
1: Thanks. Thanks very much. Yeah, we should be back soon. Joel's taking a little bit of a break. His first vacation since the season ended. So uh, he needed it. He deserves it. And, uh, yeah, we'll be back next week. So, But thank you for listening and thanks for having me.